There are days that define your story beyond your life. Welcome to 5-Minute Arrival. The podcast where we look at the film Arrival five minutes at a time. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. Any questions? Where do they want? Where are they from? Why are they here? This is the priority. Our priority today, minutes 71 to 75, which begin under the shell with four soldiers in orange getting onto the scissor lift, loading boxes, and four guys in green standing around below. And I don't know who's who, because Mark's and... Well, I can tell Mark's apart. I can't tell who's Combs or Lasky, because Lasky looks like Mark's in his previous scene. See, one of the things with films that's always stressful for me is I struggle with telling people apart when in, in this, general even yeah. ones who don't even look super like each other it's just partial face blindness thing and it's really annoying like i have to pay attention to other things to try to differentiate characters yeah one of them from the side looks very different his nose is like longer and more like square but from the front he looks just like the other two and then there's a fourth guy and i don't know who he is and four guys on the ground so i would note who was our guest last time curtis, curtis. There are guards out by the lights in a circle around the shell. There are guards standing there. You can barely see them, but they are there. Lasky, or I think actually it's Marks, picks up a box, hands it to Combs, maybe. He hands it to a third guy who's on the scissor lift, so they're loading things. Meanwhile, Condor's trying to get in touch, says Alpha 1-9-er, this is Condor over. Uh, Alpha 1-9-er, this is Condor, come in over. And then they try Captain Marks specifically. This is where I figured out which one was Marks, because most of the time he's had a helmet on. Captain Marks, Condor not receiving transmission. Squelch twice. Squelch twice. Squelch twice. Squelch twice if you hear line. And Captain Marks, all escort units are ordered to cease all activity. And we get a wide shot as the scissor lift rises. There are four guys in orange on the scissor lift. Keep that in mind. Four guys green on the ground. Because that will change later. Someone disappears. Yeah. Wow. I don't know where. <laughs> and then we cut to someone opening a box, removing something. We notice the timer first, you know, movie thing. The box yeah. has to have a timer. So it pops up at 10 minutes. If you zoom in here, it's lit better in a second, but you can read it. It says demolition M112, four pounds of C4. But there's more than one. There is, I think I counted at least like four down. It's at least eight. It might be 12. So it's a lot. And so I looked up what C4 was, because I was curious. Composition C4, used by the United States Armed Forces, contains 91% RDX, which is Research Department Explosive, an explosive nitroamine, bound by a mixture of 5.3% dioctyl sebacate, or dioctyl adipate, as the plasticizer, to increase the plasticity of the explosive. Thicken with 2.1%, I put all these in here just to fuck with myself, um, <laughs> 2.1% polysobutylene, which is a synthetic rubber, as the binder, and 1.6% of a mineral oil, often called process oil. So, this is the interesting thing from that. C4 often smells like motor oil. So you can smell C4, usually. Someone could make it without that, deliberately. It is stable. It is metastable, which means you can eat it, sort of. And it can only be detonated by a shockwave from a detonator. So lighting it on fire, throwing it at something, isn't going to do anything. It's probably good. Yeah. I'm sure it was designed so just I'm things don't I couldn't start. remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure in like the 80s when movies started using C4 as their mm -hmm. like bomb, the bomb visual of choice instead of dynamite. 
there were movies that they just like threw it at something and it blew up. Yeah. Because they didn't know how it worked yet. <laughs> or even if they did, just it looked cool. Yeah. So the Although the detonators are cool know. too. They're usually those little silver <laughs> yeah. tubes and they just stab them in there and then something happens. This at least has a timer. We know it's got to do something. Two hands come into this shot to start the timer. And presumably that person walks away because the lighting immediately changes and that's when you can read the label better. And the timer starts. And we cut to the heptopods. They are off at the far right of the glass. Costello yeah. especially. And I'm wondering if that's just so they could get a look at what's going on because that was like in between boxes. And like they moved over to get a good shot. I think it also just gives, along with the bomb countdown, the feeling of things being off counter. Yeah, like wrong. in the beginning, we're looking at the center movie screen and we're getting centered and acclimated to the aliens. And now everything in this scene just feels like we're, we're not centered on yeah, that screen. Be over it's there. an uneasy, unsettled, like what's happening. <laughs> and then we cut to outside. Finally, the there's a pickup heading for the shell. So it's taken them a while to get there, even though it's not that far. Yeah. And under the shell, the men in orange get off the scissor lift as Ian and Louise arrive. There are only three men in orange now. One of them, I guess, stuck behind to be the suicide bomber, even though there's a timer. And Ian and Louise don't see him in there. We get Marks telling, no, 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 Dr. Banks, you can't go in there. And Louise is like, I just need to ask one question. Dr. Banks, the session is finished. You can't, you can't go back in. It's dangerous. Ian, as he's climbing up the ladder, says, look, we just need five minutes. Don't sweat it. And Lasky or Combs, I don't know which, says, Marks, let them go. And so then we cut to the timer inside. It is at 4.34. The interesting thing, for the rest of this segment, the timer is almost real time. Like, yeah. it's only off by a couple seconds each time mm -hmm. it gets back to it. Louise walks by, and I would just like to point out again, I said this last time, this entire bombing scenario could have been avoided if they just spent the available time with the aliens. Right. <laughs> You give me 120 minutes to talk to aliens every day. I'm not going to be sitting in my office drawing things. I'm going to go talk to the aliens. That's your job. Why is the session over early at all? Yeah. How much time per day were they spending with the aliens? And was that their choice or did Abbott and Costello just, you know, they had 12 different chips to be at so <laughs> right maybe maybe the australian guy is just really fun and so he gets 120 minutes yeah they get 20 we don't know <laughs> it, it's not clear we know that it opens every 18 hours we don't know yeah. for how long necessarily but if they just spend time with their new friends their new friends wouldn't be well one of them dead soon ian joins her the camera rises as they head right over to abbott and costello at the side so they don't notice that anything's weird about them standing off to the right they just go over there. We says, hey, Abbott, so what are we calling this? Session 37. And Ian says, no, 36 part 2. And he opens a lid to the computer. Got to Weber, sitting down to watch. So at least people have noticed they went in there. And he says, why are they on their own? I would point out here that the camera that is in the nave is in the shot. There could be a second camera farther back, but they haven't established that. I think someone just screwed up the shot because the camera's too far back now. Someone says, we've been attempting to hail Captain Marks. The escort units are not responding, sir. Weber says, why not? Pauses for a second, says, send security. He's being careful. And then we get a shot of Louise with her tablet typing. Once again, not readable. Jerks. Don't they know someone's going to look at this movie in real close up and want to know what everything is? They really don't. They think people are just <laughs> thinking about bombs going off. <laughs> I'm, from the look of it, these are word, there are labels. There's something there. I mean, it'd be easier to put real words than not. But she picks the word for offer, we assume. 
the word for weapon, or at least part of it. So weapon might be a combo word, which might be a variation on tool, which is the whole problem. And then she says question mark, but we don't see her put that one on there. And we get a shot from behind Ian, shot of Louise with Ian behind her. And she says, are you offering us something? And Costello raises an arm and right on the glass, offer weapon. Again, the live symbol is not the question on the computer. It matches the symbol to another one. But the one it matches it to has the question mark, which is weird. Someone screwed up. But that's fine. We, don't, we can't expect the visual effects guys to speak heptapod. <laughs> and Ian enlarges another window, and uh, we get a breakdown of it as there's red dots and green lines measuring everything on it, and a word list. It is. Visitors, friends, heptapods, except heptapod is nowhere in this symbol. Offer, give, donate, award, technology, apparatus, method, humanity, man, woman, host, person. And Ian says out loud, technology, apparatus, method, which are only three of the words on the list. So the breakdown of the sentence is much more complex. And then Louise says, yeah, see, this is a different word. This this segment is a lot busier. And she's just looking at the glass, so Ian should already be clued in that she can read better than he can. Reverse shot, we get a shot from above and Louise with the tablet as she writes, give technology now. Abbott raises an arm, the tip down, and he hits the glass. Oh, I forgot to put my notes on pointing. Oops. On pointing in various cultures yeah. and what it means. <laughs> like, was it Nicaragua where they point with their lips? Yeah. I was like, how do you do that? This should be pretty easy to find. Well, I think it was just the Wikipedia that I looked at. And we can take breaks because on show. <laughs> yeah. Pointing. So. Oh. Sorry, really quick, before you get into details. Pointing is actually rather universal. Yes. And there are, no one has done a good study of it yet because they think children might learn from adults. Well, yeah, they typically learn within the first two years. Right, but there there was something referencing where some scientists think it might be sort of innate. And it's not that children learn it from adults, but the children just do it automatically using their hand to point for things, which makes sense in a way because it could be like they're reaching for something, so they end up pointing at it. Yeah, well, either or. If they learn it in the first two years, children do mimic their babies Mm -hmm. do. So it could still be from their parents. But yeah, it could also be innate in the sense that because everyone has done it for generations, Mm -hmm. it's just built in. The nature of pointing may differ for children who have autism or who are deaf. And it can also vary by gender. I'm guessing there probably have been some studies. On how they use it, but not where it comes from. Because studies generally involve adults because they're doing cultural reference, not... There's even been pointing observed in animals in captivity. Mm-hmm. But not... The interesting thing I saw was that pr- other primates don't normally point in the wild. Yeah. So I'm so not sure who's us. doing the pointing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Although, cats and dogs understand pointing. They don't do it. But if you point at something, they will look there. Yeah, that's cool. Well, cats and dogs can learn up to so many different words as well, Mm -hmm. according to some research studies. The most primary purposes of pointing is to indicate direction, location, event, or thing relative to a person. And it's defined by having these essential elements, extension of the index finger, flexing the remaining fingers into the palm, possibly with the thumb to the side, Usually, but not always, the pronation of the palm to face downward or to face the midline of the body, and extension of the arm. And if the gesture does not meet these three or four criteria, 
It's usually classified as a reach rather than a point, but there's no official consensus on how to differentiate between those two and may also be no behavioral or functional difference in the two. When in some cultures, they don't close their hand for it. They keep their hand open, point with the whole thing. So in Japan, pointing is done with the fingers together and the palm facing up. In Germany, with the little finger only. In India, they point using the chin, whole hand, or thumb, and some consider index finger pointing rude. Among Aboriginal Australian speakers of Arente, researchers identified six distinct types of pointing, index finger, open hand, palm down, open hand, palm vertical, horn hand pointing, which is with the thumb, the index finger, and the pinky extended, pointing with a protruded lip, and pointing with the eye. And when pointing to indicate position and time, many but not all cultures tend to point toward the front to indicate the future and toward the back to indicate the past. I read this one. And a noted exception is that speakers of Aymara, who instead tend to associate what is in the past, what is known in the front, what Mm -hmm. is seen, and vice versa. The future is behind them. Maybe that's Louise's problem. Maybe she knows that language. Yeah. And so she figures, since the heptapods see things differently... They don't point at things. Because, yeah, she and Ian don't catch on that they're trying They're trying to warn them. So I'm a little bit confused, and you can cut this out or leave it in. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Trouble following plot sometimes. So are they, like, about to blow up the heptapods yes. with this bomb? Yes. Shouldn't Louise be more, like, upset or panicked or... She doesn't know there's a bomb. Okay. It was like something was disconnected. <laughs> While Louise and Ian were on their way there, these guys were setting up the bomb. Mm. And then they left, tried to stop Ian and Louise from going in, but then were like, yeah, no, just let them, because they're tainted by aliens anyway. So they were just going to Let them get up? blown up too. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which, why not? They're the two that have been contaminated by the aliens. Yeah. They've taken their suits off. Then Ian says what he's doing. Abbott hits the glass again. And Louise looks back. And we cut to outside. Which I don't know who's talking here, but someone says captain. Well, someone says captain on your tents. That's not Marks, because Marks is the captain. There are trucks coming toward the shell, at least four of them. And then we get a shot from above over the edge of the shell as we see there's two trucks sitting there and the guys walk over to one. Somebody says security detail inbound, sir. T minus four minutes remaining. We need to see this through. And someone else says, okay, this is it. Lock and load. And Marks opens up the back of the pickup. They open up a box and pull out assault rifles. What? I was just imagining someone nitpicking my use of the phrase assault rifles. Oh. <laughs> they pull out guns. And I'm pretty sure this is Mark says we just need to hold them off until it's done. Yeah. And then someone else says copy that. Warning shots and suppressive fire only. And I think Mark says load up and get to cover. Stay frosty and we can avoid casualties. They've already allowed being Louise to go inside. Although those won't be yeah. casualties, those will be fatalities. So I guess it's still fair. We cut to the timer. It's going from 243 to 242, which is pretty close to correct from when we last saw it. And this is where we can see that the bomb is at least eight blocks of C4, so that'd be 32 pounds, which I tried to figure out what kind of explosion that is, but it's just big. That's what it is. And it's in that enclosed space, so it's going to do damage. Abbott hits the glass again. Louise moves forward. And this is when Abbott raises his hand and puts it on the glass, and... Pretty sure Louise misreads the situation. Yeah, it seems like... Because she says, Abbott wants me to be right on the barrier. Ian says, no. can you even do that? I don't know. But she goes, she sets the tablet down, 
She goes up there. Abbott releases ink, and she does move it with her hand. Like, she does write. And she's like, I can't do it with both hands. So she does it just with one, and Abbott writes the other half. The half she writes is basically just a circle. There's a little squiggly at the end, but there's not much there. Abbott's is really busy, and there is no translation of what this symbol is in the, like, official lists and stuff. So I'd like to think it's Abbott just being like, stop writing on the the class and leave. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if she just look and read what he says, he's warning you. But as she's, it's still a nice moment when she writes with him, though, because they bring uh, Max Richter's On the Nature of Daylight back in. We get a flash of Louise putting baby Hannah to bed. We get Louise in silhouette. We get Louise now. We get Hannah and Louise's hands. Yeah, it seems like she's getting like a flood of vision because yeah, of because she's the getting closer to the language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then she opens her eyes in the present, and that's when she really starts to like move the ink around. And we get shots of Ian watching. We're behind Louise again. And this is where they like they finish this up the symbol and her half's fairly basic. Abbott's is busy, and Abbott raises his hand. I think he's going to point again or something. Or this might be where he activates the thing and pours him out. We'll find out next segment what he yeah. does because we cut to the timer, and it's at fifty-one seconds, which is still close to real time from when we saw it before. And we don't get to the explosion yet. It ends at forty-eight though. Yeah, I mean, when it cut to it, it was at 51. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we get a few seconds of the timer, and then the segment ends. So basically, the aliens, Abbott, Costello, just want to give them technology. That's what's happening here, right? Give technology now. It's just like, I'm I'm giving you this. No, we're running out of time. We, We already know what's happening. I'm giving you this. That's how I perceive it. At this point, yeah, I'm I'm forgetting the details of later because we watched the movie months ago now yeah. <laughs> for the la- re- most recent time. And I'm mixing up the short story, which does suggest they gave them technological things. And the script has specific things that are being offered to different shell from different shells. In the movie, I'm not sure that happens. I think the impression is that the weapon that has been offered is the language itself. Well, yeah, by technology, I don't mean which, necessarily that, that that's the word that they're using, but yeah. we already know that. Well, which, which will come up more meaning. later, but there's a thing in the original story where they draw, I think it's the heptapods draw this, a line with a dot on it, and they figure out that they're representing human history. And Louise or Ian or both, or Gary, think that they're being warned that the aliens came because we're at the end of our, our right. timeline. And then they realize later, no. It was drawn reversed because the heptopods don't draw in a single direction. They draw whatever. And that it might be, no, you're right at the beginning of your timeline and you're awesome. And we just came to be nice like and give you stuff. The movie is more specific where like, I think the problem is we haven't watched the movie in several (laughs) months and I'm forgetting specifics from later. I think there's an implication that the heptopods are going to need our help later in time. And so they came to help us now. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Which is arbitrary and but also, separate from the plot. Kind of the interdependence of species and how we just need each other to survive. But instead of actually like working together, we just assume that whatever anyone is saying or doing is horrible and try to blow them up. Yeah. So that's- well, it's just like they see the timeline and immediately think, oh, it's the end of us. We're yeah. all going to die. <laughs> uh, no, the dot's just at one end. But it could be the other end. So as we go forward, well, we'll get an explosion. We'll get death, and we'll get plot, and maybe we'll figure out what the aliens want. <laughs> Lucy, what do the aliens want? <laughs> they want that? Okay. 
That's all I got without getting into their motivations, but that probably fit better in the next next, ep- next yeah. segment or the one after where, you know, Abbott dies. At this point where we don't know what the aliens want, I would say if you want to hear more of me, listen to Annihilation where they don't know if the, what the aliens want or if they want because they're alien. They don't mm. think like us. And you can hear that every Thursday on your podcatcher of choice. And if you have no idea what you want, maybe it's music, maybe it's politics, maybe it's social commentary, maybe it's your coffee spilling all over the coffee table. Then you can listen to Life Has a Playlist, and you know where to find it. Yeah, that just happened. We're finished. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 5 Minute Arrival. Or go to lemmingdrops.com for links. to think this was the beginning of your story.